Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is St. Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 11. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now Jesus told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus Christ never refused an invitation of hospitality, whether the inviter was a Pharisee secretly against him or beloved friends like Martha and Mary. In the Gospel story of Luke 14, the entertainer was a spy and the feast a trap set for Jesus. But Jesus constantly loved and he wished to bless those around him, even his enemies. Here the Pharisees, who invited Jesus to dinner on the Sabbath, wanted to see if Jesus would ignore the law or do anything that was forbidden on the Sabbath. So the text says, And they were watching him closely. At the dinner was a man with dropsy. It is likely that he was invited to the meal as bait for the trap on the supposition that seeing him, Jesus would be moved to heal him. What is dropsy? Dropsy is an antiquated word used to describe what medical people now call edema, which means excessive fluid in the system. 
Edema isn't actually a disease in itself, but rather a symptom of something wrong in the body. Frequently, it involves the kidneys or congestive heart failure or some other disease. A person balloons up with all the fluid in his system. So here is the afflicted man standing in front of Jesus at a dinner to which he had been invited. The man was obviously very ill and needed healing. Jesus, knowing their thoughts and plans, seized the moment to ask a critical question. Verse 3, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day or not? Immediately, Jesus put them on the horns of a dilemma. If they said, no, it is not right to heal on the Sabbath, that would have been absurd, for no Sabbath law forbids helping the miserable or ill. The rest God commands for us on the Sabbath is actually deepened and enriched by activity for the well-being and healing of others. His accusers couldn't possibly answer, and therefore they kept their mouths shut. Verse 4 says, but they kept silent. So Jesus proceeded to heal the man with dropsy. This healing is told without any detail. There is no request by the man or evidence of his faith. Jesus simply calls the man close to him and heals him by the simple act of his will. What an amazing transformation must have come over this man. He was completely changed, healed, no longer bloated with edema. He looked normal. Whatever caused these symptoms was gone. Jesus once again displayed his miraculous power. Yet there is no sign of thanks or of wonder in the heart of the suffering man. He simply seems to appear on the stage, receive his healing, and silently disappear. This is a sad instance of people having a momentary connection with Jesus and even receiving healing from him, yet having no permanent abiding relation to him. St. Augustine says that mystically the man with dropsy signifies one overwhelmed by carnal pleasures. Now dropsy results from excessive water. So when one is covetous of pleasure and money, says St. Augustine, he does not use these resources well, and he desires them and is overcome by them. Now Jesus decides to give the people a little instruction. He asks another question in verse 5. Which of you shall have an ox fall into a well and not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? Interestingly, the man with dropsy was overcome by water. Even so, the ox fallen into the well was overcome by water. Now, to do an act of mercy on the Sabbath was allowed by the law, but one couldn't practice the work of medicine on the Sabbath. How utterly contradictory and foolish. The spontaneous acts of love from the heart are never to be thwarted by ceremonial religious laws. The obvious needs of others call for immediate assistance. You don't wait for the end of the Sabbath day to pull your ox out of the well. The listeners before Jesus stood self-condemned, and their obstinate silence confirmed this. Jesus now continues his instruction for those who were watching him. Rather than embarrass his host, who had invited him to the luncheon, he proposes a little parable. When you show up for a wedding feast, 
Don't take the best seats at the table. Somebody more important than you might have been invited and you would have to give up that place. Probably some ambitious guests had already tried to seat themselves in the higher places of honor and had to give up those seats and take the lower places. In Jewish society, the seating of guests at a banquet was incredibly complex. It had to do with age, rank, and wealth. The idea was that the person who ranked highest and was the most wealthy would sit closest to the host. The lowest would sit farthest away. Why do people grab for attention, power, or exaltation over others? We see this all around us, don't we? In politics, in sports and entertainment, in our workplaces, in the family and home, and even in the church. There are always those who seem to covet the highest place, who have a need for the recognition and esteem of others. The need for recognition and social status is actually a sign of self-doubt and feelings of unworthiness. It is a matter of identity crisis. Think of all the people who waste time and money trying to get on the next reality TV show or become the newest American idol or a rising movie star. All of it stems from a deep-seated insecurity and lack of identity and personal understanding, which then creates an enormous need for applause, adulation, and attention. People who are at peace with God and at peace with themselves and know their identity as a son or daughter of God don't need to make a mad dash for the place of honor. They don't need an external stamp of approval from others. A craving for attention and affirmation stems from not knowing who we are. Lacking a life-giving relationship with the Lord Jesus, who gives meaning and significance to everyone who trusts in Him, people fail to realize their true worth before God, and so go looking for someone or something that will make them feel better about themselves. When you see someone acting with immaturity and inappropriateness, it's because he is not living in union and communion with God. He is acting on his impulses and inclinations apart from the presence of God within him. Realizing this, we will have compassion on our neighbor. We will love him and be gentle with him. Jesus had just watched the dinner guests scramble for the best seats at the Sabbath table, but he doesn't directly criticize them. Instead, he uses the parable to teach them about their relationship with God, that they should live their lives with honesty, simplicity, and humility. In order for us to understand this truth, we must read the very important words of verse 11. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. What is the supreme sin in all of life? It is the sin of self-exaltation. Think carefully on this. The sin of self-exaltation is the root of all other sins. Lust, sloth, covetousness, anger, envy, drunkenness are all symptoms of the deeper sin of pride. Self-exaltation or pride means dethroning God forgetting God, 
and disregarding his commandments. Sadly, self-exaltation or pride is not only a problem for notorious sinners, but the peculiar sin of respectable, upright, moral people. There are many who live respectable, upright lives according to their own standard of perfection or morality. They compare themselves with others and feel self-satisfied because others fail to live up to their standard of right living and right doing. But this self-satisfaction is an illusion. Once we see God's purpose for our lives, once we realize His standard of holiness and righteousness and His invitation to live in eternal fellowship with Him, we quickly realize that we have utterly failed His standard and need to be rescued from our pride and independence. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson, bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, 1918-2008, was an outstanding Russian historian and writer and an outspoken critic of the inherent dangers of communism. In 1978, Solzhenitsyn was invited to give his famous Harvard University commencement address. In that speech, he said, How did the West decline from its triumphal march to its present sickness? The mistake must be at the root, at the very basis of human thinking in the past centuries. I refer to the prevailing Western view of the world, which was first born during the Renaissance and found its political expression from the period of the Enlightenment. It became the basis for government and social science and could be defined as rationalistic humanism or humanistic autonomy. 
the proclaimed and enforced autonomy of man from any higher force above him. It could also be called anthropocentricity, with man seen as the center of everything that exists. If I were called upon to identify the principal trait of the entire 20th century, I would be unable to find anything more precise than to say, men have forgotten God. Solzhenitsyn is simply underscoring what Jesus is teaching in this parable. Man's greatest sin is pride and independence from God. What is the solution to pride? Very simply, you and I must understand the virtue of humility in such a way that we come to realize who and what we are before God, sinners who need to be reconciled to Him. This beautiful teaching of our Lord comes immediately after the healing of the man with dropsy. The man was all bloated. Now Jesus is dealing with people who were bloated with pride. He wants to heal them as well. Jesus doesn't want us to fall prey to the sickness of pride. He who humbled himself in obedience to his Father even to the point of death on the cross, could give us this lesson in humility. Be honest before God, Jesus is saying, about who you are and what you are. You are a child of God created in His image and likeness, but sin and selfish independence separate you from Him. It is your relationship with God that is of utmost importance. If you exalt yourself and seek to live independent of God, you will eventually be abased. But if you humble yourself, God will raise you up to live in vital union and communion with Him, enjoying the blessedness of His friendship. We see the dynamic of pride and independence from God at work when we refuse to seek His guidance. There are many career tragedies because we think we can carve out our own success, discover our own career path without God's guidance and help. This is also seen in the person who turns his back on God, shuts the Bible, and goes off to pursue his own self-direction. He is like the prodigal son who, in his rebellion, discovers himself in the pig pen eating the garbage that is fed to the pigs. The cure for pride and independence is to get alone with God and confess to Him the truth. This is why our Sunday worship consistently includes the words of invitation, Come unto me. We must come to God and tell Him, I am a sinner and I need Thy grace, O Lord. If we measure ourselves with other men, we will stand upright. If we compare ourselves to the average man on the street, we will proclaim our own morality and goodness and become self-satisfied. But if we get alone with God and think about Him, we will immediately experience the blessing of contrition. O God, I have sinned against Thee and transgressed Thy commandments. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. Bring me back to fellowship with Thee. Show me thy great love and mercy. When that moment comes, we will break into the song of the hymn writer, 
My God is reconciled, his pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child, I can no longer fear. We gladly give up all claims to our own uprightness and morality and throw ourselves into the waiting arms of our loving Heavenly Father. This is the moral of the parable. It is a lesson that you and I must try to understand and practice every day. Humility is honesty before God, to be honest about who and what we are, to acknowledge the fact that God has perhaps given us great talents. It is not pride to acknowledge those talents, but honesty and humility. False humility is to have gifts from God and hide them under a bushel basket. False humility says when you know you are able, Oh, I'm not really able, I can't do that. But false humility is simply the flip side of pride and selfishness that puffs us up and gives us spiritual dropsy. What we must desire is a simplicity before God that says, I acknowledge the fact that I am a sinner before thee that I fail many times a day, that I must seek thy forgiveness and mercy. If we do this, if we maintain an attitude of humility and repentance, we will live the life Christ our Lord wants us to have because it will be him living his life in us. Humility is simply realizing reality. We move away from deception and confusion into the clear light of reality. Humility is realizing that the way up is down. Lower is actually higher. Losing is gaining, and dying is living. It's all so backwards from the way of the world around us. St. Sophrony, a godly follower of Jesus, 1896 to 1993, founded the monastery of St. John the Baptist in Essex, England. He said that the world sees life as a pyramid. At the top sit the rich and powerful who exercise dominion over others. At the bottom stand the common people, eagerly demanding equality and justice from the rich and powerful at the top. Jesus Christ, however, took this pyramid and inverted it. He put himself at the bottom, becoming its head. In taking upon himself the weight of our sin, he showed us that we must go downwards to be united with him, the head of the inverted pyramid, because it is there that the fragrance of the Holy Spirit is found. And it is at the bottom of this inverted pyramid that the power of the divine life is to be found. It is therefore essential for us to find the way of going down, which is the way of humility, the way of the Lord. What we discover is that this act of humility of going down is actually truly freeing. It is the humble who act with courage. Why? Because a truly humble person doesn't need the approval and applause of others. He has God's approval, so he can summon up the courage to do the right thing, even if everyone around him disapproves. When we take the lowest place, we show God that we trust his estimate of us. 
We depend upon Jesus to help us understand who we really are in him. People made in God's own image as responsible, capable, and beloved creatures who don't need to prove who they are to themselves or anyone else. Humility also frees us from our endless tendency towards self-centeredness. An important step of humility is to consider others as more important than ourselves. St. Paul says in Philippians 2.3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. St. John Chrysostom says, If we are truly wise, we shall consider no one as less than ourselves, but all men as our superiors. Another blessing of humility is that it allows us to see that the Christian life isn't about us. It's about Christ. Staying close to Jesus is what makes our new life in Christ possible because we live it with him. Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11:29 and 30. Dear friends, let us draw near to Jesus. Let us rest in him and with humility live always in his love. For of him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener-supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint. <laughs>